Welcome to another Blue Collar Special. Today, me and Aaron got the opportunity to talk for a while with guitar extraordinaire Josh Dooley. Now, for those unfamiliar with him, Josh Dooley has um, been around in the indie scene for quite a while, playing in bands like MAP, Pony Express, and of course, Starflyer 59. So, sit back today, and we're going to take some time, we're going to jump right in with some questions for him, and um, enjoy our conversation. So, Josh, uh, to get it started here to, with the uh, uninitiated, um, what exactly did you do in Starfire 59, and uh, what albums did you participate in? Okay, so from the year 2000 to 2006, I would play keyboards or electric guitar live at, off and on for some shows. Or um, And as far as uh, recording participation, I played on... On one song on Leave Here a Stranger, I played on four on my island, <clears throat> and then I played on a handful of other songs on compilations. Like I played on a couple Christmas songs and um, a couple B B side songs on EPs, like The Man Who Will Lead stuff. Like I played bass on that, so that's about it. I played, I guess, a dozen. I recorded on a dozen or so Starflyer songs over those years and toured. Yeah. So that's, there you go. No, that's really awesome, man. <laughs> okay. That does lead into like one of my questions. Uh, uh-huh. What is like uh, the main instrument you play? Is it bass and keys? Definitely, definitely guitar, electric, like uh, guitar is my number one thing. And I will proudly say, yay, I'm a, I'm a good guitar player. Piano, I can play. Uh, I always tell people I'm more of like, how John Lennon played on Imagine. That's my speed of piano playing. But um, but guitar, guitar, I'm confident. I, I feel like I can handle whatever. Uh, piano, I'm okay. And then, uh, yeah, and then bass. I, I take guitar. If I, All guitars, I'm, I'm decent at. <laughs> piano, I can, uh, I can uh, what's the word? I can pass. <laughs> um, do, when you, uh, those songs that you uh, made with Starfire, did you contribute yeah. any to the songwriting process on those songs? <clears throat> Not the songwriting. Jason shows up with demos. He's got the structure, the backbone skeleton, I say, of the song pretty much fleshed out. He'll have the chords, the the main riff, or uh, the melodies and the lyrics. And then usually what we'll do is we'll meet somewhere, uh, the band. He'll give us a... Well, back in the day, he gave us a cassette. But uh, <laughs> he would give us a cassette of his home demos of the albums. And then we'd drive around, you know, separately. Then we'd meet it somewhere to, to rehearse those songs. And in the pr- rehearsal process, like, it's, you know, um, he'd rent a room with a PA. Um, in the rehearsal process, that's when we would say, should this go faster? Should it go slower? Should this part go four times before the next? Like, then we'd all work kind of collaboratively on a arrangement. But he'd be the, the director because we'd throw out ideas and he would say, oh, great idea. Or, nah, I want it to be slower. And um, and then um, and then he was always open to suggestions for uh, a certain vibe, you know, like maybe I'd say, you know, should we go? Should I go jangly? Should I go bluesy? And I'd throw out an idea and, and, and he'd love, you know, ideas and stuff. So he would have the structure, the basic backbone of the song made. And then this, so I, I wouldn't say I contributed songwriting, but maybe some ideas riff wise or um, vibe wise. Uh, trying to think. Oh well. What? Yeah. 
What what song on Leave Here a Stranger did you um, participate in, and, wh- and which ones on My Island? Sure. The only one I did on Leave Here a Stranger was Moves On, which is the weird, as um, I Like Your Photographs is fading out, Moves On is I Like Your Photographs backwards. And so uh, I, I, I remember that day. It was a fun it was kind of a, an important day for me. I believe it was summer 2000. And um, it's like emotionally I was, inv- I was involved with that album a lot, but physically I wasn't cause I only contributed on that one song, but I was, I was given all the demos and I went to the rehearsals, but it was mostly Jason, Jeff cloud and Joseph Escobel recording with um, Terry Taylor in orange County. And I got to hang out during those sessions and stuff. But anyways, for moves on, I showed up at Andy Prickett's house and I just, I'm a guitar player first. So they said, okay, when you play the song backwards, it, it's, these are the chords. I believe it sounds like C, uh, C, G, F, B, seventh. And I came up with the cello keyboard part, the piano keyboard part, and that synth part on the spot, which I wasn't at that point, I was not used to doing that. I was, I'm always used to sitting at home and just stewing on an idea for months. And so I was pretty nervous showing up like, wait, wait, you guys didn't tell me what we're going to work on. And, um, it was just sort of on the fly, like, this is what we're going to do. And so I would, I would pick up an acoustic guitar and finger pick some ideas and then, then transfer it to the keyboard. That's normally what I do because guitar is my main language. And so then I transfer it to the piano and yeah, I was nervous and, and, uh, but excited. And, uh, and I remember Andy was, he was really encouraging. Like he could tell I was nervous. And so he would sort of like, as a director, like when I was doing the cello part, I, I remember him sort of conducting me to let me know this is the point where you stop, you know, and things like that. But, and then to hear all three parts played together, it was, it was really exciting. And then it taught me to trust myself in the future. Like, you don't have to overthink and rehearse. I mean, like you don't have to overthink and obsess about whether you'll be okay down the road. Just trust yourself. You have the skills when you get there, you'll come up with something. I mean, I still forget that lesson every day and then I'm reminded it when when I go to record, but, but still it was, it was nice. That is really cool, man. That's thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. What about the my Island tracks? My Island. Okay. I played on, Okay, I might have to look it up for the titles, but um, I played on Nice Guy. Give me, I apologize. Um, I, and I just re-listened to all these songs uh, in preparation. Um, I, I, I'm embarrassed that I forget the titles, but um, shoot, I, man. Sorry, guys. This is... <laughs> No worries, you're fine. No worries, no worries, no worries at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Frontman, nice guy, I win, and um, shoot, I think. What the hell? Ideas for Talented? I believe. Yeah, yeah, is that the one? Oh, man. Is that the one? Yeah, hold on. Can can I listen to it quickly? Yeah, go ahead. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, Ideas for the Talented. That's it. Ideas for the Talented. Um. Nice guy, front man, and I win. Those are the four. I, I knew on. it. I knew yeah. you were on ideas because I, I was like, that sounds like Josh on that. All right. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'm doing um, 
I felt, I don't know, for me, I felt like it was a Velvet Underground kind of riff, but, but I don't know. That's what I felt like when I was doing it. And, um, and that was, that was really fun. That was, I remember, um, um, that song on the demo, I believe was completely different. Um, it was slower and I feel like it was a few different chords. And then when we showed up, he was like, that's not it anymore. It's the same lyrics and same sort of melody, but now it's kind of happy and, and it's just going to, that song is pretty much, you know, the same sort of alternating four chords. And, and he's like, this is what we're going to do. And I came up with that riff on the fly. And I think even at the time, since it came so quickly, I felt like I was cheating. Like it's too simple, right? It should be fancier, but he was saying, no, it's perfect. It's just what we need. And, and so, and I feel flattered because Jason's such a great guitar player. The fact that he would even ask me to play on a record and then use a riff, like that's a compliment. Cause I know he could have probably done that too, but <laughs> so that's, that's a reoccurring theme with our relationship musically and friendship that I'm humbled that you're going to ask me to do this. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that does kind of about your relationship and such. Um, exactly how did you kind of join up with Starfire? <laughs> and do you have like any kind of cool memories from when you guys were touring together and such? Yeah, I have tons. And uh, I, this could be a long story, but I'll try to make it clean, uh, edited brief. No, but I, I met him. I met him when I was 15. He was he's about a year older than me. So we had we went to different high schools, but we had mutual friends and. We, we grew up in Riverside, which um, is sort of in the middle of nowhere. It's an hour away from everything cool. So, like, like you're an hour from the beach, you're an hour from L.A., you're an hour from the mountains. And I bring that up only because I felt it kind of forced us to find the cool record store and to find the cool music and to kind of hide out in your house and make cool stuff. And um, whereas I think if we grew up in L.A., who knows, we might have been surrounded by a lot of stuff going on and who knows. what. But anyways, so when you live in a city like that, there was friends that would come up to me and say, hey, you're a great guitar player and you love the Smiths. Did you know this guy, Jason Martin's a really good drummer and he likes the Smiths? You guys should be friends. Like I heard that from a couple different people. And so uh, one day we we met uh, and he was yeah, a super cool guy. And then I think a couple years later. He asked me to jam at his house. I and um and I was so impressed because the guy had I mean, for being a teenager, he had so much equipment. He'd been playing um with his brother. It was um Morella's Forest. No, it was started off as Morella's Forest and then became Dance House Children. Like so they were kind of like there was a buzz about them, you know, even when we were teenagers in Riverside, because like I'm listening to records and buying CDs at record stores. And this guy had CDs and he was a, a teenager. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. So anyways, yeah, friends of friends introduced us. I thought he was super cool, super talented. And, and we would jam in his garage and it, and it instantly sounded like we're a real band. <laughs> and um, gosh, I remember. And then a couple years later, I, I played music since I was like 13 writing songs, but I never got it together to play live. And then someone invited me to play a party, not a party. It was, a, it was an actual show in Redlands. And, um, and I was like, I don't have a band. And everyone was like, we'll just have these two friends play bass and guitar. And then why don't you ask Jason to play drums? And so, and we, I wrote 
some songs real quick and Jason played drums and that, that band we called Nova Satori. I, I just named it after a Robotech character. <laughs> and I mean, and we're young, we're like 18, 19 or something. And, um, and at that point, Jason was mostly known as a keyboard player for his brother, but that band sort of stopped. And so he was playing drums with me and it was fun. We only did two, maybe three shows. And um, then he started working on demos for Starflyer. And I, I was confused when I first heard that because <clears throat> I was like, well, yeah, I know he plays keyboards. I know he plays drums. And he was saying like, but he would play guitar a little bit like in the garage and stuff. It, And then um, and he's like, no, here. And he gave me a cassette of it. And I was I was really impressed. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where'd this come from? <laughs> Which is a reoccurring thing with Jason, too. He keeps his cards close to his chest. I mean, he'll talk. We'll talk about movies and our favorite albums. And then as I'm leaving, he'll, you know, over the years, he'll be like, oh, here's this new project I'm working on. And, um, you know, every year the guy's got three albums coming out under three different names and, and he doesn't, and it's just like, oh, by the way, oh, anyway. So yeah, he gave me the demos and, and I got to hear that. I just thought, I was so impressed. This guy had these great ideas and I got to hang out during the silver sessions at the studio you know, I didn't contribute anything to that, but I thought I was so impressed. And um, and then I think over the a couple over those next couple of years, I kept I would follow what he was up to musically, but we didn't keep in touch much because he he would play, he was touring and he moved out of Riverside, and then I I was just working full time, and then and then in 1999. A friend from high school asked me to play, and he, he this guy Noah had a idea for a country band, but he wanted it to sound more um, Merle Haggard, like old school country. And I said, sure, sure, because again, like I would, I would play at coffee shops every couple months. I was never really good at getting shows together or bands, but Noah knew me and invited me to play in this band. And the drummer was Joey Esquivel. Um, and I'm hanging out with Joey, and Joey's like, yeah, I play in this band called Starflyer 59. I was like, Starflyer? I've known that guy since I was, you know, 15. And he goes, oh, yeah? And I'm like, yeah, that guy's awesome. And so then the next practice we had, Joey says, yeah, Jason knows who you are. He says you're the best guitarist in the world. <laughs> Something like that. Like, super complimenting. And then that led to, this is 99, so now they're working on leave, talking about working on Leave Here a Stranger. And Jason was like, hey, Josh, you, you, would you want to, like, help us out with some guitars, with some keyboards? And I, I was ecstatic because I've been a passionate music maker since I was, you know, 12, 13, but could not get my act together. I didn't understand the business side of it. And and all of it, and I knew my friend had been doing Starflyer. I'd seen him on stage, you know, 92, 93 for years. And I, I would see, you know, lots of people in the audience. And I was just I felt like an outsider fan friend and now he's asking me to jump on stage i was ecstatic and um so yeah i, th I think so summer so that summer 2000 we would we would rehearse and uh for leave here a stranger and then i started playing some shows so did i answer <laughs> wow well wow. thanks for I, all that that's awesome i, I answered in earlier that uh, i'm sorry well, I was gonna joke. I answered and then some. I warned you guys. I, I tend yeah. to ramble. So yeah. Just let, let me warn. License to ramble. Let me warn your That's audience. Fine. Sorry, sorry guys. I ramble. You know. 
<laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of um, um, Starfire, as we're, we'll be doing for a while now, uh-huh. um, you mentioned earlier that um, you really like the Leaf Here Stranger um, album. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Starfire album or song or one of each, I guess? I that's a good – That's no, no, that's a great question. Um, I would say all, all around my favorite album is Talking Voice versus Singing Voice, which I did not play on. But again, he was sharing the demos with me, and I, and then I, he got to, he would send me rough mixes, and I was just, my jaw hit the floor like that. Those strings, which that's Frank Lenz uh, doing, uh, or not doing, but arranging, I, I was just blown away. And to this day, I'm still blown away by that al- album as a whole. As, uh, I'm sorry, you said favorite songs or favorite album, right? I think you said right. One of each. One yeah. Of each. It, yeah, and then I have um, I have I have a couple favorite songs. Like if I if I meet a friend who's never heard the band, I tell them check out Drive a Lot because if you know if you don't like Drive a Lot, I don't know what's wrong with you. But <laughs> Amen, Amen. Yeah. Yes. But but then my pers- my personal favorites is like all my friends who play guitar. I just think that's a beautiful song, and it feels personal because I feel like he's kind of singing about me and a dozen other friends he knows. And then um, uh, Nice Guy, that, that's such a great, great song. You know Nice Guy off my island? Do you, you know that song? I know all the songs. Oh, yes, okay. I'm familiar with all of them. <laughs> but, yes. but, but Nice Guy, that outro, like I sing along with his guitar pl- pl- riff, and um, I pl- I'm playing the Jingle Jangle sort of Pink Floyd riff at, throughout the song, and I play on some sort of bluesy stuff during the choruses, but... So it's not. I'm not just saying like oh, I love it because I'm amazing. No, I'm saying what a great song that is. Um, I uh, when I learned to sing, I think a really great song. But uh, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. And then oh, and I I like your photographs. I have a cool memory of that. I got invited to the studio. And I heard the demos of the album, and the demos are very stripped down. It's it's like one guitar playing the chords, one doing the solo. And so that the demo on that, it's pretty simple. It's it's a it's like these three chords alternating, and then this blues riff. And then I went to the studio, <laughs> and I'm hearing it through these huge speakers, and I just felt like the world had just changed. I was like, I can't believe, I can't wait till this album's unleashed on the world. You know, like it was just, it was epic. I mean, oh well, yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's that's so cool, man. My favorite, um, as of right now, I'm working uh-huh. on my list, but as of right now, one of my favorite songs is All My Friends Who Play Guitar. I uh-huh. love that intro and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I, I have a couple other, I don't know if this would qualify as an answer, but but um, Unbelievers, that was just, that's just a personal favorite for me to play live with them. He, he, he had me play that live, and... Um, when we would do full band, I would just do the rhythm and he would do the lead. But in 2003, we did a two-week tour where my band MAP as a full band would open up for just Jason on acoustic guitar and I was playing electric. And I thought that was so nice and humble of him. He asked me, I mean, he's primarily known as a riff guy and he's asking me to play all his riffs. And I remember every night I looked forward to playing Unbelievers because it was just like, it felt like seven minutes of, of me getting to show off, like, time to shine. It's a cool riff, and, and I thought that was really cool. 
Oh, and I have that one. Sounds more. amazing. <laughs> thanks, thanks. And then mm-hmm. one more. And I listened to a couple of your podcasts, and um, this one's a favorite of mine. And you guys mentioned it, and one of you caught on. On I'll be home for Christmas. Um, that's me. I'm playing pretty much everything on that. Um, Jay, it's a we- It's got a bunch of weird jazz chords and stuff, and even I get baffled by those. But I got really into that song and um, a couple other Christmas songs, just personally. Is and he wanted to do it, and I said, "Oh, look, I can." And I played it, and he goes, "Whoa, okay." So <laughs> then he became a producer, and he just told me, "Do this, do that. Can you make it more like this?" And so I played, I think, even all the keyboards. I believe at the end he's doing a vibrato sort of signature starflyer surf lead over it but um and he's doing the brushes the drums but um but the thing i wanted to mention was one of you guys caught that at the end that does the um so, uh friends who play guitar riff as it's fading out you know um that was sam yeah sam absolutely sam. That. It was yeah sam. That. i got that <laughs> so so that was my idea so i was i was real i got i giggled when i heard you guys caught that the inspiration for that was on when you listen to Nat King Cole's Christmas song uh, that's written by Mel Torme. At the end, the guitar does uh, jingle bells. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, okay, Nat, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, so I told Jason, I said, hey, I've always loved how at the end of Nat King Cole's Christmas song, uh, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, at the end, the guitar just does jingle bells. And so... I said, you're saying on the song, I'll be home for Christmas, but why wouldn't you be home? You wouldn't be home because you're out touring. So why don't at the end we reference that with all my friends who play guitar? I just thought it'll be, it'll, the song will be fading out. We'll just do it. And I go, and maybe nobody will catch it, but maybe Samuel will 20 years from now. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. I love it. So that's all. I was like, whoa, he caught that. So that's all. That was those are some of my uh, 20 years later someone finally caught it <laughs> exactly yeah and that's the meta thing it's like a, it's a combination of how that that christmas song's lyrics t- tapped into what was going on in his life and also uh, like nat king cole and anyway so yeah thanks for that, that is so like cool that man thanks for letting me share yeah. um hey so you mentioned maps open <laughs> up for uh Starflyer, which is yeah. I would love to have seen that show. Yeah. But um, for those that aren't as familiar, what exactly is Maps? <laughs> oh, so it's and, just yeah. So yeah, uh, Matt, it's Map. I mean, he. Um, so what happened? So basically, I I've written songs like Jason knew me as a guitar player, songwriter, and I'd met Jeff Cloud through Jason too as a teenager, and um, but again, I couldn't get my my organizational skills together, but they all, I would give them cassettes and uh, four track stuff I'd worked on. And then in 1999, 2000, when I was hanging out with Joey Esquivel and talking, you know, talking about leave here a stranger and stuff, Jeff said to me, Hey, if you can, um, Joey's brother was Angelo, who was a really good bass player. Uh, Jeff, Jeff said, Hey, if you could ask the brothers Esquivel to like, you know record with you jason would record you at his home studio and i'll put it out on velvet blue and um and i i was like whoa really you know so so then um so that's how that started they they just jeff and jason knew me as a songwriter for over a decade guitar player guy whatever and but i just and so they just said make you know do something like get it organized call it something and then um 
And so, yeah, that's how that started. And we called it MAP. Like, coming up with a band name, I, it's so hard. Like, you can you can come up with all these songs, and then once you come up with the band name, that's that's the brand, and you got to stick with it. And um, I had a couple ideas on paper, and that idea came across because when a couple years before, I'd, I'd, I'd played a coffee shop with an electric guitar and some delay pedals, and, and I would sing, and so I'd just say, it would just be Josh Dooley. And someone said, what would you describe your music as? And I said, melancholy atmospheric pop. And a friend heard me say that and said, oh, you should put that on your next flyer. And then I put it on the next flyer. And then Jason Martin said, you should just call your band Map. And don't tell anybody what you just told Aaron and Samuel. And, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, he said, and then, you know, it'll be like they're lost. How do you find the way? You, get, you need a map. And, um, and so that's it. And then now I sort of regret the band name because the way the internet works, nobody can find it. Like if you go on Spotify or iTunes, if you search an album name, you'll find me. But if you look up Map, you'll you'll never find it, which is sad. I, so <laughs> I can confess to that because um, yeah, yeah, I was trying to find some of your um, more um, <laughs> earlier albums um, on streaming, and they're not up. Yeah, there. I'm glad copies but they're just not out there well i know i know the first two eps um teaching turtles to fly and eastern skies westernized like those came out before itunes and spotify and so in 06 we put those on a, a collection called regret silhouettes and distractions and so that's on all the streaming itunes and everything oh, so okay. okay so yeah i mean that's cool that you you know of those two EPs, because yeah, because they were put on CD, and and now I believe they're out of print. So yeah, so I mean, we probably printed a thousand of those. So now, if you want to hear those songs, yeah, they're on that regret silhouettes and distractions thing. Okay, and, that's so cool. Yeah, and I just um, I just put, nah, I just put, oh oh sorry I was just I just put oh no out go ahead e go ahead I just put out an EP in um, September that I'm really proud of. It's called Writer's Block Two. Um, History, mystery, and gifts. So that's all. I was I was super proud of that one. I did that one mostly with um with Rob from Fine China. He helped out a lot, and and my yeah and my friend Jared from Enigmatic Foe. And so, anyways, yeah, that's anyway. I'm sorry. What was the next? Question? Oh, oh no, you're fine. That's so cool to hear that project has been still going on. Yeah. Um, it, it was a really cool project. I'm it, it is a really cool project. Thanks, I've been listening thanks. to it some. Awesome, and I'm curious because uh, one of your early things was called uh, was referencing turtles, <laughs> and yeah. I notice maybe I'm just hearing things, mm -hmm. but I feel like I hear um, the '60s band Turtles, especially oh, in some of those earlier albums. Interesting. Was that an influence for you at all? The the turtles or the '60s? Yeah, well, the, the '60s band Turtles. You know, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little ignorant. Are they? Happy Man. Together would be the song everyone knows by them. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, but um, again, not obviously because I didn't – I know their songs, but I didn't know it by name, so I was kind of embarrassed. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 song, the album title, man, I think I was um, – I don't know how it came to me, but I thought I was pretty cool. That, oh, I know. I wrote a song that I've never recorded where I was just saying some girl is so beautiful, she's teaching turtles to fly, and I thought I was clever for that. And so when it came time to come up with an album title, I thought that was cool because it was, you know, te doing the impossible or something. Um, but uh, but 
you know, and then the sixties, I think I took its influence on me for granted. I just thought it was sort of like it influenced everybody. And then recent, so when people would ask me that in the early two thousands, I was sort of confused, but recently, um, and most artists won't admit this, but I, I went and listened to uh, Secrets by the Highway, which is an album I did with Richard Swift in 2003, and I suddenly got it. Like, I just I just see things as songs. Like, I just think there's good songs and there's bad songs. And so I've always just, like, I like the Pet Shop Boys, and I like the Beatles, and I like them equally. And I just look at it as, oh, they're using E minor, they're using A but it, but it suddenly clicked what, what people were asking about the 60s thing, because there's definitely, definitely the Velvet Underground and the Beatles and the Doors and the Turtles. They all have a certain vibe. And and I loved it. And I just but I didn't I don't know. It was so funny as a teenager. I just I just thought that was music. I didn't know that that if you use this guitar through that amp with the vibrato, it was that the people only did that for a few years. But um, I suddenly got it uh, like uh, a few months ago that oh that's why people would say that. <laughs> i don't know if that makes sense but um yeah definitely i definitely feel a lot of beatles velvet underground and a little people yeah. yeah which isn't very 60s you know and my, my my so, thing is oh in the late i i fell in love with music um it was like my dad is a guitar player and so music was all, and he's a songwriter, musician. He, he, um, so I was always around music, but I didn't really think it was cool because it's something my dad did. And then it was in 1986, I discovered the, uh, the Pet Shop Boys, Please, and the, the Smiths, The Queen is Dead. And instantly I was like, what, what is this? This is amazing. Um, I got to be a part of this. And um, and then my dad said, oh, if you, if you like that, you should listen to this. And then he handed me the, the Beatles and, um, uh, the Led Zeppelin and the Doors, and then some friends at school were like, "Oh, you should listen to Velvet Underground." Anyway, so that was my music education. It was all. It was at the same time. It was like late '80s and late '60s at the same time. So, okay, yeah. all right. Well, um, cool. Well, that was going to be my next question. Um, how'd you get into music? But you just answered that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Read my mind. Okay. Uh, uh, can you tell us about a little bit of how you got involved with the Pony Express side project? Oh, yeah. So that's Jeff Cloud, the bass player for Starflyer and guy who runs Velvet Blue. He would write songs, uh, you know, now and then. And it would just be um, just kind of fun. Like it would be Pony Express would be who are his cool two or three friends in his circle that play music at the time. And so... Yeah, it was me and Jason and I believe Andy Prickett for a couple albums in 2000. And then um, 2002-ish, we did uh, we did Becoming What You Hate. And then a couple years later, we did, I think it's called Fraud. And that was... Uh, uh, yeah, Fraud. That was Frank, Lenz, Richard Swift, Jason, Jeff, and me. And um, that was basically it. Jeff, Jeff just likes hanging out with his friends and he would, you know, get tacos and <laughs> and we would just he would and he was very collaborative. Um, he would very have he'd have very stripped down versions of the songs like he sometimes. I mean, no disrespect to him. He would admit it. He did. He wouldn't even know if it should be a mi major or minor. He would just. Because, I mean, he was a bass player, so he would write these songs with just kind of like the root note. Like, he would say, it goes B, it goes F sharp, it goes E, 
And we would say, is that F sharp minor? And he'd be like, eh, you decide. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so he would sing and he'd play this root note and then we'd all hang out and, and, and everyone would sort of like, how about this? How about that? How about this? And, you know, and a great example of that is on Becoming What You Hate. There's a one song where at the end there's that crazy choir uh, and again, I'm forgetting what the the song one is, but that the song name is. But that's Mr. Frank. Hazel. Mr. Thank Mr. you. Hazel, right? Yeah, and and that was Frank Lenz on the spot. Like I had just played a part or something, and he goes, "Hey guys, can you just trust me for a second? I have a crazy idea." And we just we're all sitting in a room watching this guy with headphones on recording this track, then starting it over. Recording. I mean, he did so many, you know, a dozen or so of him singing false and then and then at the end it's brilliant and it's you know it's sort of insane and uh brilliant and um but anyway so that that's that's how that happened it was just jeff had some ideas and and we would go and record them and he'd lay down the basic idea then we would just throw out ideas and and it would grow and grow and it was it was fun and, and um yeah so it was similar so it was similar like um with like what jason did yeah yeah i would say the, the main difference is it was just a little more casual i think i i, I just think that with starflyer the stakes were a little higher <laughs> um yeah that's all but with with pony it was a little more um casual like i don't know if that makes sense but <laughs> yeah. yeah no i got you yeah so uh i i didn't know that's what pony express was just friends meeting that's so cool to hear yeah um so kind of moving on to our next question, and this kind of goes to your songwriting personally. Um, did uh, any kind of Christianity or spirituality ever play a role in your songwriting? And did you ever see a lot of that when you was working with Starfire? Um, so, yeah, so this is this is a complicated question for me, and uh, we could probably spend an hour on it. No, but um, not so much. Uh, do it. Huh, do it. <laughs> So, I mean, I hope I don't disappoint or upset anybody, but I don't, I'm, I would consider myself an atheist right now. Um, I was raised Christian and I kind of wrestled with it teenage years, early twenties. Um, I didn't come to where I'm at now casually. I, I, uh, I, I really was a passionate Christian growing up and I struggled, uh, with, some things i guess contradictions and and but i didn't want to struggle so i would always go to the pastor or someone in the community who was wise and i would ask questions and i took a world religions course in college i was i was passionate about it and then um i guess my journey just led me to um to where i'm at now and if that if that in and it was it was a bit at the time i think i was 25 where I mean, I'm, I'm simplifying it to, but it was kind of a roller coaster for me, you know, from 15 to 25, I would have some doubts. I would ask somebody a question and it would relieve my doubts. And then I would have more doubts. And, um, and I, and then, uh, and at 25, I, I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to, I'm an atheist. And, um, and at first I was sad because I was like, I would love nothing more than to know I could um, see my friends and family in, in, a, in an afterlife and I was kind of sad. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, if this is all I have, I have to be more present. So if that influence, if my current views influence my music, it would be in thinking that I have to be more present and I have to do more now because I'm not sure about what's going on later. 
And so I did notice at first it was a little melancholy, a little sad, like, ah, oh, geez. Um, and then it turned into, well, if this is all we have, I, I got to be nice. I got to be awesome. I got to call my uncle that I got in a fight with and, <laughs> and make up now, you know, because um, I know when I was younger, I could be a little jerk and think, well, we'll make up for it in heaven. I mean, I mean, just to, that's just a subconscious sort of thought I thought in the back of my mind. And then I remember being 25 and thinking, I, I, I got to be, I, I like, I, I want to say the word atheist is sometimes kind of it has a sort of snarky connotation with it, with a lot of people that fight on the internet and stuff. And I'm not that guy. Um, I respect religion. I res and I'm jealous of the people who have a belief because I believe a lot of them have a, a beautiful life. Um, but for me, I, I still respect the words and the stories. And um, I try to live uh, selflessly. And, you know, I would think that if you could be Christ-like, you would you would have a better life and you'd be a better person. I even heard um, a Jewish person once tell me that if they were if they had doubts and they had to weigh the options of uh, faith versus acts, then choose like if they had doubts, they said choose acts because if you acted like God, then God was living through your through through you physically. And I, I always thought that was a beautiful thing. Like um, so. I, I, I like, I'm rambling, but I like Joseph Campbell. He, do you, are you familiar with him? I've heard the name. I, um, I know he's, he, he's an author. He wrote the book, uh, the hero with 10,000 uh, faces. That's why I've heard his name. Yes. He, he spent his whole life studying every world religion and every mythology, and he would find the common threads. And, um, and I kind of like what he would say, because I would think to myself, I don't want to be an atheist and just party now like i i see the the few the few moments i have here as precious and um if if i could try to be kind to my friends and my friends kids and my uh you know try to make decent music like then um i mean if that's all we have or i have whatever uh then when i leave that's that's hopefully the world's a slightly better and not worse but um, I guess I, I hope that makes sense. Like, uh, but that's where I'm. At. Oh, so to, to answer the question, well, I definitely, definitely, uh, Jason's a very Christian man, and um, he was vocal uh, and passionate about his beliefs, and um, it would seep into the lyrics here or there and themes. Oh shoot, are you? Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah. 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 No yeah, problem. We got you. Okay. And then, uh, but for me. I'm trying to think. I can't. For me, in general, it, I think it would mostly just be like um, I don't know. Uh, I, I know in the last couple albums, I I did as Map. It did a little bit because I I I lost a couple friends. They passed away, and I just thought about how sad it was to be mortal. Uh, and um, and so you have to, you know, um, if you can walk and you have friends you're filthy rich. Like that's something that just occurred to me the last couple of years. Like we, we are mortal and, and the time is, is precious and your friends are precious. And, and so I, that's seeped into my songs in the last couple of years. So, so I don't know if that answers your question. 
Well, it does. And yeah. n- no, you're not going to offend anybody. I'm agnostic. Sam's a Christian. So we're, yeah. we got the spiritual rainbow going on. Um, <laughs> cool, so cool, from cool. one relationship to the yeah. other, yeah, yeah. Um, from um, from God to a musical God, uh-huh. what's, your, what's your current relationship with Jason like right now? Oh, oh um, good, good. I just wish we hung out more. I'd say in the last, you know, couple of years, we just, I just emailed him this week, letting him know I was going to go on the podcast. And, um, but uh, sadly, I, I see him once a year, at, like a show, and I'll shoot him an email two or three times a year, just you know, complimenting something I heard he did or something. And he writes back really nice. And we both say like, "Hey, we should hang out." And and then I'll I'll say, "How about Friday? Uh, I'll be out of town." You know, and we do that dance, and it's sad. So I just one of us has I got to be more aggressive. And so yeah, it's positive and nice. And uh, but I think I I probably haven't seen him in like. I, I saw I saw him at a low low Tom show he did, which I feel like was a year and a half ago. And I was at a Beach House concert a couple of years ago, and he was there with his wife and his daughter. And um, and uh, so yeah, it's it's positive and nice, and I miss him. I wish we could hang out more. And uh, but yeah, he lives in Orange. He only lives like I don't know thirty miles from me, <laughs> but. But um, we work different hours and have different days off, and uh, and and that's that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I was gonna say thank you for your time, Josh. We really appreciate it. Oh, You've okay. been awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been uh, for, and yeah, it's been a pleasure. I've been a fan of Map since 2000. Oh um, wow! Thanks. Teaching teaching turtles of fire. So he broke out that CD. I, I didn't um, for the first time because I was trying to find it on the internet. And I yeah. couldn't find it. I didn't uh, know that, but now I know how to find it now. So thank you for that. And fun, also, um, for everyone else, does he? Um, Josh has another band called the Enigmatic Foe. It's like some like the Peshmo like electronical outfit. It's pretty good. Highly recommend it. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah, that's me and my friend Jared Collinger. Uh, He's from Knoxville, Tennessee, and um, yeah, really good songwriter. And he helped me out on my last couple albums. He with some lyrics and uh, some riffs and stuff. Yeah, really nice guy. Enigmatic foe. Check him out. And uh, yeah, and we'll of course post links to those uh, your many different projects once Thanks. the episode this gets published with. Yeah, and I'm and still so, I'm still working with Fine China too. Um, they're great. Uh, didn't play on their last album, but man, it's so good. It's uh, <laughs> you and Jason. Like y'all are just I, I was, between the two of you. I wonder how many bands. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. I wish I could do more. Um, yeah, and then and then the only the only sort of thing I wanted to promote like for 2020 is I'm trying to work on something with my brother Adam. Um. So the goal is to have it out by summer. He he's 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 calling it Sunset Sunset Limited, and the idea is uh, mostly an acoustic idea, sort of like the like Simon and Garfunkel meets um, Astrid Gilberto, the sort of that Brazilian nylon acoustic. If that gotcha. makes, yeah, it's something. Yeah. I mean, he my my brother's never he he's never really been like musicians. Music's never been his front. He's always been a comedian. He does stand-up comedy and stuff, but he's <laughs> but he's always loved music. And in the last year and a half, he's gotten really aggressive with trying to learn. And he's written a dozen or so songs. So, so hopefully, him him and I can get that together and come out this summer, maybe. 
any other things? Any more map or enigmatic foe albums? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jared's enigmatic foe. He's got a really ambitious idea. He wants to do a 14 song album, and I'm gonna try and play on as many of or if all of that as I can. The demos are great. Um, and right now he's he's look he's reaching out to a couple of our drummer friends <laughs> to see about getting drums, and uh, so we'll hear more about that. But um, but but yeah, and he's working really aggressively. At, so I mean, I would think that thing would be out late 2020 or mid 2021 at the latest. But um, yeah, I mean, 14 songs. It's pretty. I don't know. I think it's pretty ambitious. Uh, Enigmatic foe, and then for map. I have a couple, like a handful of ideas, and I'd like to record them. And right, right now, but right now I'm like, I want to give my brother and Jared uh, all most of my energy, and then, and then see about maybe map in like six months or something. I don't know. Huh. I think that's about it right now with music. Jared, my brother, and then if Fine China, if Fine China calls, I'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> we just did a couple shows this a month ago, and man, they were, they were amazing. They were the best shows I ever played. With any band, like, yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. speaking of shows, tell Jason he needs to tour, man. There's a lot of people who have never got a chance <laughs> to see him tour. I know, Just I know. Just saying. Yeah, I know. Get yeah. the band back together. Yeah. Oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to. He did, um, and I understand why why he, he doesn't. I, I don't really much anymore. It's it's hard, and I heard Wayne kind of say it on a, a podcast of yours. I mean, sad, sadly, it just comes down to, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I should let Jason speak for himself. But for me, I've noticed it's hard. Well, I mean, traveling is hard just in general because you don't have all your creature comforts like handy. But, um, you know, your food or your bed or whatever. But um, but also there's a money component like like we all have our full time job back at home and, our, you know, your bills and stuff like that. And I mean, that's not sexy to talk about. And it's annoying, too, when you read in a magazine, a band complain about stuff like that, because we should just be thankful we're playing. But um I noticed for me, uh, after years of it, I, I um, it just got kind of hard to like pay the bills and such. So the balance, balance is a word that kept coming to me. I was like, how do I balance the finances with just wanting to play all day? And um, and so I, my balance was, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll keep writing music, but I'll tour less. And then a few years go by and you're like, what have I done? I, <laughs> I miss it, you know? And so I'm, I'm sure... That some of that's going on with Jason um, because I know he loves man he loves coming up with ideas and heaven for him on earth is sitting in that room with that guitar and the keyboard and those speakers and I just man he could just do that all day and as soon as you tell him you got to be at this airport <laughs> and pick up this rental car I mean you know yeah like I know a little bit of anxiety kicks in and I mean um, so yeah I, I don't know maybe that's what it is balance like I just know he, he'd have a blast sitting in his room recording forever. <laughs> so. All right. That's fair, man. Well, that's fair. Yeah, yeah this, this has been all insightful. Love your okay. insights about all the recording process. That's really interesting. Um, anything else you got to say, Sam? No. Um, maybe if you uh, if you want, Josh, we're just kind of working our way through the discography of everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe when we get to um, – Leave here a stranger, or maybe one of the Pony Express projects. If you want to jump in and like review the songs with us, you're you have an open invitation. Gladly, gladly, yeah, call, call, yeah, gladly, uh, yeah, reach out and let me know when that happens. I, I would love to, cause I I've got stories, <laughs> and uh, memories, and um, 
Yeah, I could. I could. That, that'd be fun. So. We would love for you to ramble on, ramble cool. forever. About <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. Rambling is welcomed here. But cool. thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. We really, yeah. really appreciate it. And, and thanks for the invitation. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. So, yeah. And it won't be the last. All right. Well, thanks. you enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks Love a lot, from guys. Virginia. Thanks. Talk thanks. to you later. All right. Talk, talk to you bye later, bye. man. Thank bye you. Bye. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar Love, a Starflyer 59 retrospective. Your hosts are me, Samuel King, and Aaron Anderson. Production and editing done by Samuel King. This has been a Brothers King Media production.